Hey, well, look at this is wrestling. Some of us don't think, and this was, uh, this caused some real friction in the dress room. The big idea is you're gonna build. That didn't work for him. Again, we got no, sometimes we show no class at all. But the match being no contest was because we had a problem with the finish. And, uh, I hate those no contests, but the finish would have been so watered down because there was a situation where somebody was promised something and I had to honor it. Somebody's going to be terminated and this company's not going to be liable. I beat Vince in six weeks. When he got on the con, when he came out and had a press conference and said they won't be on TV in six weeks, I kicked his ass in six weeks. Here's a guy ranting and raving in the middle of the ring as big as a house, and Bill Bush tells me to go talk to him, and I gotta catch him when he comes through his thick curtain. That's just what the job I want, okay? Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, we're talking on the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. Shane Douglas, all of them. Conan, I mean, the luchadors, we had it all. But, and NWO, rather, and uh, I had Hulk, I had Flair, I had. How could I, I mean, I'd have to be really, really stupid to miss this one. He had made his mind up. He was getting rid of Bush, me, JJ. The reason why Goldberg didn't want to answer the phone was he, he was talking to dead men. I think he slid a briefcase underneath my desk, you know what I mean? But it didn't kill me. And Sid told me, I'm only going to do it because you're asking me, but it's the wrong thing to do. I needed an opponent for Goldberg. You know, we all perceive ourselves as never making a mistake. Now here's a wrestler gonna jump an employee. I said, it's a knife. He said, oh, it's my gimmick. So somebody somewhere cut a deal. And I'm gonna go through the list. It ain't Bill Bush, it ain't Kevin Sullivan, and it ain't, uh, it's not J.J. Dillon. Could have been Brad Siegel, I'm not sure. We took the golden goose and we chopped it off. With that sound, that means we're back. It's the New Blood Rising podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Sullivan trilogy of shows. Sold Out 2000, Super Brawl 2000, and finally Uncensored 2000. Shortly after Uncensored 2000 is when Kevin, Kevin Sullivan rides off into the sunset and we're back to, once again, Vince Russo and actually a returning Eric Bischoff to run the company, to run the booking, I should say, of WCW. I am William Rinkin. I'm joined as always by Jason Keesler and Charlie Stabile as we chronicle this era of WCW. Um, once again, though, of course, as we lead off, New Blood Rising podcasts a part of the OSW Podcast Network, which is hosted by PileDriverWrestling.net. Let's get into this here. The Sullivan Trilogy. You don't get this very often talking about <laughs> this little era, this micro era of WCW history. 
a lot of things changed and not and I mean I think maybe when we were younger it seemed very subliminal nothing really changed but about the same at the time but now looking at it it's a whole different beast it, it truly is the Hobbit trilogy to the Lord of the Rings trilogy <laughs> when you look at because uh, you got the Russo trilogy right which is mayhem sorry Halloween Havoc mayhem Starcade right then you got this this is much better it is this this mm -hmm. is I mean, I'm not saying it's good, but at least I can follow it. I enjoy watching it, and it, I'm not always confused. You know, like it has a sense of uh, structure that's lacking in those previous three. So what's funny is like, all right, so if if you if you take your history based on the Monday Night Wars package on the WWE Network, they show this era as just completely fucktard ridiculous. Yeah. And everyone hates it because it's all old guys, old guys, old guys. History is told by the wind. It, it is, absolutely, absolutely. But that's what's really funny now. So when you when you actually go through and watch these in, a, in some type of sequential order here and everything and try and you know follow what was going on around these, these shows and everything, this isn't nearly as bad as overall we look at WCW like in, in, in this era. This is actually, as you said... A high point compared to the Russo trilogy that started our podcast. I could keep going with this if it were to last. Sure. You know, like I could I could keep, you know, like we were talking about off air. We weren't watching the Nitros or the Thunders. And nope. who knows, maybe those are terrible. Like, And we aren't watching them now. But the, the pay-per-views themselves, Super Brawl notwithstanding um but in even wwe has a bad pay-per-view sure every now and then yeah uh it's it's definitely tolerable wrestling yeah you know it's not garbage it started off amid tur a turmoil major turmoil sold out started like the the real fun started like the as we talked about the the week to 48 hours beforehand when bret hart was revealed not to be coming back jeff jarrett was injured vince russo knowing that a half to a, a quarter to a half of his card was gone at this point. Was rumored to be put like rumored to have said, "I want Tank Abbott to win this Royal Rumble of sorts to become the uh, the new w WCW World Heavyweight Champion." That did it. Yep. <laughs> Which basically created his exit because mm -hmm. they were like, "Hey, we don't like it." Now you guess what? You're going to be in a committee. I don't want to be in a committee. That's not my contract. I'm gone. And then. That's enter Kevin Sullivan here because the interesting thing is Kevin Sullivan had a tremendous amount of heat with the mid card guys because the previous year when he was in that type of role, all of the quote unquote old guys were still getting the top spots. So naturally, the core group of the best performers, the radicals, their exit really. A lot of people say that's the final boom. That's what killed them because your best workers are gone now. What did you guys think at the beginning of this? Was sold out like amid all that turmoil? How it came off that pay per view? Sold out um, is the highlight of this podcast. I'm very, I'm very happy with that show. I'm very happy to even talk about it and to uh, to say that that we liked it. If you take out the Benoit match, is it still? Because it's, we know that's a highlight for all of us. Yeah, just just to clear the air with that, the out of six pay-per-views, the best match of all is the Benoit Sid match for me. Uh, it's quality. It's might be w Sid's best match ever. Might be, for me, it is uh, the ones that I've seen. Um, that being said, you take that match out of the equation. I still think it's a. It, at that point, it would be a decent show. 
because you still got Nash versus Terry Funk. Awesomely entertaining. Yeah, mm -hmm. very entertaining match. Um, DDP and Buff Bagwell. Yep. Great. Like not not great, but a great time. Sure. Yeah. V v grudge match incarnate. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good show. It's it's one of it's really one of my favorite WCW shows that I've seen like ever. Right on. Like it's really good. Jason, what are your thoughts on Sold Out? Sold Out was like a very hopeful mm. pay per view. Yeah. I mean, like I, it's. I know with that statement, I can't remove the Benoit Sid match because Benoit won the belt. Right. But I mean, like at that point, you know, it's like we're gonna put a belt on a guy who's worked hard to earn it, one who's never had it. And this is how we're starting off our year. You know, like they didn't do this at Starcade, which is like supposed to be their big, their big show. They do this at the start, the generally the Fallout show, and then some of the other, like we start seeing people. I know it was loud, like we start seeing more people on pay-per-views that generally weren't. Right. And not just in background capacity. They're starting sure. to show up. So it was, that's why it was very hopeful. And like it leads into the, the next pay-per-view, which I, I love. But like, I like the show a lot. Like yeah. I'm with you. Like it's it's one of my favorites that we've seen. It was tactically, like Sullivan coming in was 100% a different type of booker than Vince Russo, clearly. And he knew, like he, he wasn't, wasn't dumb to think that like everybody had just forgotten about the previous year. He knew he was coming in um, under fire already. He was that, inheriting a, uh, a, a rough situation. And one part of it is something he created with mid-card guys. He knew mid-card guys were like not going to be accepting of him being in that role. That's why they're they knew about the group of dudes that were gonna that wanted to head out. It was at one point, I don't know, between 14 and 20, I don't know, the number seems to change depending on where you look, but the core being the, the guys who would become the Radicals, Malenko, Guerrero, Saturn, Benoit. Yeah, Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas, uh, Conan. Conan. Yeah, those are the guys that stuck to it and left. But what was neat was how knowing that I'm up against a wall to try and bargain his way out, like, let's... Let's try and put the belt like let's try and give Benoit a bone here by saying, "Hey, we're gonna." Oh, and they they bone him hard. Oof. We'll give Benoit the belt, and like I loved reading about was again like this is taken from Sullivan interviews, not not super recently, but within the last like five to seven years, where he talks about when um, he went to Sid and was like, "I need you, I need you to tap out to the crossface." It was a big deal because Sid said he wouldn't do it unless, but only because Kevin Sullivan asked him to do it. Because he respected him a lot. Hmm. And that's interesting because... Why would he not tap out? Didn't what? he say I quit a few months before to Goldberg? I'm not... I'm not sure. Like, was... Well, also think about... Those big guys, I don't think respected... Like, the there little, was... Oh, oh, I think oh, you get okay. back to that vanilla... Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe that's... Maybe not. That's just the first thing I connected to where that could be the issue. But... Um, the thing was, he needed him to tap out because, again, it makes Benoit look super strong. And it's a way, hey, man, you know, we're, we're giving you the world belt. You're going over, like, basically, I mean, basically clean. The way the reason I say it is because the caveat that Sullivan threw in there was like, why don't you keep your bottom leg, keep your leg under the bottom rope just in case, which I don't know if I buy that because that's a little too well planned mm -hmm. for that to. But, that might have just been Sid not wanting to. Uh... Possibly the honors, but if that was part of the discussion, so be it. But it does backfire, or it doesn't necessarily backfire. It just doesn't work. Benoit still leaves, period, because clearly, you know, knowing that the world title, even having the world title, doesn't mean anything. Right. They strip him of the title at twelve twenty in the morning. 
<laughs> so, um, with that happening, like even coming off sold out, like I think Super Brawl became very pivotal because it's like you had all those guys exit. There is no Saturn. There is no Guerrero. There's no Malenko, and there is certainly no Chris Benoit. So, how are you going to make this work? You have a group of mid card guys that they apparently don't want to. They don't want to work for you. How are you going to make it work? I think you see some ways he tries to make it work at Super Brawl. What did you guys think? Did you guys see that a little bit? Like based bringing on, in guys that we've never seen before, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing? That and elevating some mm-hmm. mid-card guys? Yeah. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Like the triple, well, the, the triple threat theater was still, that was sold out because you still had Saturn and Malenko. But that was already, okay, we're going to start working on one guy already who had just kind of been stuck in, you know, mid-card limbo fighting off with faction wars all the right. time um but also like in addition to these people being gone your heavy hitter main events like goldberg's gone right nash is hurt mm-hmm. uh brett's gone steen's gone hogan's gone really i mean for a good stretch right flair's gone right so all yes. these other people i mean if you go back and think about it ddp wasn't in the last two pay-per-views right this is a mid carter's dream yeah it is this is what I always think that they hope for, and I think and so, too, he he gave them the chance to step and not just go. Here's here's this. Like he gave them chances to step up. So, so the neat thing is, then you end up getting um, you're getting Billy Kidman, who gets built. Vampiro is starts to build momentum because they build him toward after once they finally get him out of the David Flair crowbar and just the Oklahoma mess. He finally gets to seem credible as being like someone legit, not just a guy stuck in a faction. Mm-hmm. Booker T, I can't say that he's looked looked like he was on the way up, to be honest. But um, you know, uh, there were it, it did seem like there were some guys on the rise when it came to the mid card, to where like Sullivan was trying to acquiesce at the same time he was trying to, you know, make this thing. Make this thing work despite having to also still use the old guys in the main event because he figured that was the only way he was going to get it over. So, um, it is interesting because by the time Super Bowl rolls around, Hogan is back. He does come back. And you do have, um, you've got Ric Flair, Terry Funk, all in prominent matches for this pay-per-view. Um, so, bringing it into Super Bowl, when you see some of these mid-card guys come up, Sort of make their play. The Super Bowl feel very different. How different did it feel to you guys? Felt different for me, just not in a good way. Um, this felt like a step backward from sold out, and it probably has something to do with the fault of the fact that we're missing so many guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's not that the guys that they had take their place couldn't fill the void, which really they couldn't. But it's it, it's it's more in line with the fact that. They don't have enough behind them, in terms of 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 a backstory or like momentum is really the word I'm looking for mm-hmm. that that could propel them like Prince I K or something, uh, to to be anything that could be credible, or that could be enjoyed at the level of of the work that like the radicals were doing in WCW at the time. Just my take on it. Well, the the thing with that is like a good example with Prince I K is because he was stuck in like that WCW Saturday Night Worldwide. Where he was main eventing those, so your casual fans weren't watching that stuff, so they don't know who these people are, like you said with the, the backstory. And part of why they didn't have time to tell their story during the week is because of uh, 
I mean, you had to take up the before like the twenty five minute NWO entrances with thirty million people mm-hmm. coming to the ring and long promos and unnecessary. I'm not jobbing for this person. I'm not jobbing for that person. I saw that like I like Super Bowl. Like I, I'm the same way though. I, I thought it was a little of a step back because the same people who were gone for a few months are now right back to the top featured matches on right. the card. So right. we ended up getting Luger and Hogan, right? Flair and, and, and we did get the Demon. We got Scott Hall <coughs> for his final appearance, mm-hmm. and that's so that was a decent match. And it was a decent match. That's the thing. Like the one thing we all agreed, like the matches felt. At least the pay-per-view ones. We're not going to count anything on the Nitro and the Thunders because, to be honest, the way those come off, they don't sound really any different. It's a lot of just, you know, screw job finishes and th- whatever. Mm-hmm. The pay-per-view matches do feel a little bit different. Outside of the botches, like, obviously, guys are going to botch in matches. That's going to be going on even through probably ten, uh, probably payback, WWE's payback that's going to oh, be coming yeah. But um, there was a difference in that match quality, though, I felt. It felt stepped up a lot. You guys agree with that? And that's... Super Brawl? Well, I'd say like in this trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're longer. Oh, yeah. They're longer. Because, you know, Russo's been known. I don't, people don't like the matches. They like the intro and the finish. So yeah, that's these Russo's are more awesome. back to rest, wrestling, mm-hmm. yeah, which is good. Do you think with the, the Nitro still being kind of shitty as far as the stuff is, like we were talking about, the, there are people that are really running the show. Or try because Nitro is on TV, so let's right. make it a television show. Let's not make it wrestling. Right. So it's got to have stories. It's got to have intrigue. Whereas the pay per views were they were kind of more free to do what they what they were all along. Sure. Be wrestling. It's because it's being presented by them. I remember mm-hmm. reading that on the on the thing. It said presented by WCW, and I'm like, oh, they don't have any sponsors. No, no one to suck up to. Yeah, that's good. No, no Mountain Dew ads. Random. Snickers, Snickers proudly presents WWE. <laughs> Well, I always love that with they paper. They were all over the yeah. rings. At, well, during the Russo pay-per-views, they were, right. the brands were all over. How many Sun Jim presents me. Yeah. No, that was EA Sports. They, they may have bailed out. because from Who would sponsor this? Because no, the thing is, nobody's watching. Right, right. And you want to see your brand get, you know, you want the best sponsors for the most views, cross-promotion. I guess mm-hmm. what it's all about. Right. And uh, now, who would pay to sponsor something that nobody's watching? Right. This is why TV shows get canceled. <laughs> Poor Studio Sixty. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was a fan of that program. Too. Thank you. One of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl. I guess the. Did you feel like? All right. So, if you take the position of a mid carder, did you feel Super Brawl was a regression to play devil's advocate? Because all of a sudden now, featured prominently are. Terry Funk versus Ric Flair and Lex Luger versus Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman's getting Billy Kidman and Vampiro is buried in the back. Booker T is still kind of buried in the back, even though like they're getting time. They're getting time. Did you feel in that regard it's actually a regression? There I did. That's where like, yes. I would be mad. Like if you've been gone, like Luger's been there, so Luger deserves a high spot. So, but and I know it's Hogan, but if like if, if you leave, you should have to start maybe not the first match, but you got to start lower and work your to me. Even though you're these people, work your way back up because these other people have been there earning. Yeah, you got to earn, earn your spot back. Uh, one thing that's interesting about this whole time period is, and I, I commend them for it, is the way that they have made Sid Vicious 
who is at this point an older wrestler. He's not a new guy. They have mm-hmm. made him feel new. Mm-hmm. It's it's the most fun I've had with Sid. Last episode, I talked about how you know you read a lot of snarky, or, uh, smart reviews mm-hmm. of things, and um, everything always jokes about Sid. Uh, Sid was old, and they put the belt on him. He was, he had charisma. That's what I he, thought at the but time, he, but he couldn't work. And it's no, like, he can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I He's, oh. he has only two moves, but you know, most guys don't need that many moves. No, uh, do I need a big guy to do a drop kick? No, no. no. I, I need Sid to do a big boot, a choke slam that where he doesn't give a fuck. And power bomb. We talk about how he does the cross. He he started using the cross yeah. face as Sid his move. Sid he gets the job done. You know he does what a typical big guy like because this was back at the point where my favorite big guy was like it was Mike Awesome. Yeah, because he was a big guy who could do high flying moves, which was so impressive. Oh sure, so totally. I was completely against guys like Kevin Nash and Sid Vicious at the time, but looking back. With um, you know, with an older perspective, I really enjoy Sid, and I think this is like I said, the most I've ever enjoyed his work. Now, granted, I haven't gone back to watch his ninety-five, ninety-six WWF days, or even his old WCW days from the late eighties and early nineties, but um, I look forward to seeing Sid on these shows now, and he does feel new. He he feels new, and he feels like the right guy to be. He feels at- like the right guy in the right place. Yeah. yeah. He looks. To me, he looks more impressive than mm-hmm. Nash. Like if, if it, to talk about it this way, like Nash is a big guy, but Nash just always seems to lazy, and yeah. I don't big know lazy. if it's because of the the he didn't in WWF right the impression no. that we get. I mean, just from later years. Oh yeah, but he got I, paid. Yeah, just that. Where Sid is just like, I'm working with what I got. I mean, he mm-hmm. might not always, but these last few, like you're seeing a guy that's like, wait, I'm. I'm in legit contention for the top. I, I, I'm the world champion. And it's amazing. I'm like, the man th- by default. Side note, did you mark out when Sid showed up on Raw to fight Heath Slater? Yes, we did. That mm. was so exciting. And he looked good. He did look good. I mean, he looked older, mm-hmm. but he looked like he, he could still go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sid, he is an eternally cool wrestler. He's just a cool guy. Yeah. He's got that bright blonde curly hair, the black jacket, the black trunks, and he's like six foot nine. Yeah. I mean, he's just a cool guy. He has a great look. Like what? What the old Bret Hart thing? We had never talked about this. The scale. The scale. Mm-hmm. The way you judge a wrestler is three scales. Each go to ten. One is look. Two is talk. And three is performance in the ring. Yeah. And and, and Bret always said if you could get a guy. Who is in the mid twenties or higher? Then that is a great wrestler. Sid would be in the mid twenties. Sid easily. is a mid. Tw- he's a twenty-five. Yeah. I give him a five on the wrestling scale. Ten on a the ten on the, on the on the look and a ten on the mic. Yeah, that's a twenty-five. It's also remarkable is all is the fact that um, we're generally something gets lampooned in this era are title reigns for the world title. Mm-hmm. It and we know in the future it's going to get really yeah. weird. These are the final days, I think. Of this is a. This is a rain that starts. It starts in January. Like, it gets spotty because they he gets he gets the belt, but then they say you pinned the wrong Harris twins, so now we got to do it over. But basically, it starts in January, and we are now up through March with uncensored. Mm-hmm. That's really incredible. That you know, in this era where it's just they're doing they're trying all these different things. This is a, as sad as it sounds. It's only like a three month rain, but still, it's feels like it's it feels important. Yeah, you know, it feels it like, like the world title feels really important right now. And it also feels that whoever beats him 
that will be an important moment for them too. Right. Right. Not, not just another yeah. smackdown or another. Thunder. Like I'm really happy that he's had the belt for what I believe is a little over two months now. Yeah. Which is kind of a record. Right. Uh, at the time, and uh, and you know, with only seeing two title defenses from him, feels big. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing you guys noticed you didn't see. Remember we saw this peppered throughout the Russo reign. We're getting intergender matches and all this crap. Kevin Sullivan flat out said like he did I this quote I it, nah, it works both ways. He didn't want people to laugh at the business. So that's who he's like he didn't think that a woman in a match with a man works. Like he thought like that was one of those things that you don't do in wrestling. Which um to a point is, you know, legit because to a point, to a point I think China could beat the shit out of Scotty too hot. It de- it it I, depends I really on the guy. That. Right. It depends on the guy. Yeah. So that's why I don't have a problem with Medusa versus Evan Courageous. Right. I, I, I actually think she could beat him up. When you have Oklahoma and and um and Medusa, that's sad. Like that's that's not even it's entertaining. Not even- I mean, I think she can beat the shit out of him, but at the same, I, I don't care. I don't want to see that. Yeah, it, it turned that. into, it, I mean, like, I get, especially with, like, the promo he cut before the match, mm-hmm. for her to not win, even though it was sh- still shitty circumstances, for her to not win, that just, that made what he said legit. Mm-hmm. And I'm the same way, like, I don't necessarily, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar F5 a woman, but I would watch Daniel Bryan wrestle, like, I would watch Daniel Bryan wrestle Medusa. Like in her heyday, sure. Because I think those are two people who take care of each other and could tell could tell a great story. It's it seemed like it was just poorly. It was so poorly executed sure. to where like it just came off as just trash. Oh yeah. The way that Ru- the Russo era treated, you know, if you brought a woman into the ring to, I mean, for one thing, it was like if you're going to do it, just have a women's division. Yeah. But they never you even had enough. Yeah, you, you did have enough, and, they, and you had good women. Like that's something I noticed when I was watching um, Uncensored. Uh, I think WCW could actually give WWF a run for their money in terms of uh, good-looking women that um, are are valuable. Yeah. You had Elizabeth, you had Tori, you had Stacy Keebler. Like that's just three. Like, right. I'd put those three up against any three in the history of this at that, especially at that time because we hadn't. We Trish was around, but she wasn't. She was not she wasn't yet prominent. Yet. I mean, yeah. when she yeah. first came in, she was the manager of TNA. And you had Lita so, was still at this there. point. You had Lita. Lita was, Lita was there. She was doing <coughs> shit. Yeah, uh, but not not quite. She was. Was she? I think she was with the Hardys at this yeah, point. She was. But they weren't Team Extreme yet. Or something like not that. Not at March. I don't no, think they that were, was. This is WrestleMania 2000 where they did the triple threat right. ladder match. Mm-hmm. Right. She comes yeah, out, though. Doesn't she interfere in that one? Or is that... It's either that or TLC 1. I think it's TLC 1 at SummerSlam later that year. Um, like that. I think it's funny that there is a sign in the crowd for Uncensored that says, I, uh, I, there, I, I don't think I pointed out, I've got tickets for WrestleMania. There's a sign for that. Yeah. Or, and there's Anaheim. another sign that says, I'd rather be at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I remember that WrestleMania. If it's better than Uncensored... It's not by much. WrestleMania 2000 was a huge letdown. Massive. With the exception oh, of one match. But it had an enormous buy rate. Yeah, sure it did. Well, WWF was hot. This was this was like, you got to remember, man, this was like two weeks after The Rock hosted Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Like, wrestling was hot. And they, yeah. and they I think they broke a record with the ratings uh, for that Rock episode. I think it was in the sixes. I think it had like a raw rating. Yeah. You know, SNL can't get above a 2.5. The quality, think. though, outside of that triple threat oh, match. Jesus Christ. The main event should have been Rock Triple H. 
Always yeah. should have been Rock Triple H. Right. <coughs> so that's just, the one that had head cheese with the little midget and the... Yep, that's oh, right. WrestleMania 2000, for the most part, is garbage. And I, I, remember all I, I remember all I kept thinking about watching that was, I miss Austin. Why Austin should be here. And, I, and you remember, I remember thinking, maybe he'll be here in like an interview capacity or something. Right, something. Something. Nothing. But I think that's what... I think well, that's what they... did go over. They, that was cool. Because that has not happened traditionally at WrestleMania. Up at that point, mm-hmm. like ever... Yeah, that's true. I really don't think it had happened up to that point. It was such a shock that Triple H won that match because didn't he go in as champion? Yes. Yeah, Which and he went out as champion. Yeah, that I remember that was the only other significant thing other than that ladder match. Right. But we're talking about WWE. No, no, that's cool. Is, no, but, but it, it changes the. It's it's a good contrast to what we're seeing. Right. Because you bring because that leads into uncensored. And see, but what's interesting is uncensored. Like I. I'm pretty sure, like at least based on the Sullivan interviews, I think he knew the writing was on the wall that it wasn't going to last much longer after Uncensored. But the neat thing is, his whole thing about coming in and doing this was, I wanted to book towards Starcade. I wanted to have things in place that made sense down the road. Then worked in '97. It really did. Like, and I mean, like, granted, we probably weren't going to get a Sting Hogan payoff of any kind. We but didn't even get that payoff for the payoff. I'll tell you this though, if they had um, if they had let Sullivan run it, like if they had let him keep going, we probably could have had a great payoff with Kidman and Vampiro again, or Sting and Vampiro if you plant I'm the ki- seed here. I was that that's something I was curious about if he was gonna and then Vampiro beats Sting and becomes like the new the superstar new guy. of WCW would have been something neat. So in that regard, like and and granted, the TVs were definitely not perfect. So maybe the the. The way it was being put together behind the scenes, and we don't. I mean, the one thing that, of course, I'm being privy to was like, you know, was were things badly put together because guys really weren't either showing up or wanting to do stuff because they had the control, they could mm-hmm. do this and say yes or no or whatever. I mean, I, whatever. I'm, uh, the Monday Night Wars uh, thing really shows you that perspective. It seems like predominantly throughout the, excuse me, the fall of WCW is. Everybody's saying, well, I'm not going to do this because it's written in my contract. I can say no. Yeah. It's one thing that's great about when they talk about Kevin Nash and Scott Hall uh, during those days, as shitty as they were, they changed the way that wrestlers have contracts. Right. They changed it. Uh, They changed the business, and really, they changed it for the better inadvertently. Right. Yeah, by being complete dicks uh, at WCW. Because they wouldn't have got away with that shit with Vince. I, well, the thing I love that Scott Hall said in, in, in a recent interview that, that is on the Monday Night Wars is that he never got the boss vibe from Eric Bischoff like he did from Vince McMahon. Yeah. You can totally see that. Because he was like, Eric Bischoff always seemed like he wanted to hang out with the, the big guys, the big names in wrestling. And right. thought it thought it made him look cool. Right. Like just that image of Eric Bischoff sitting on that motorcycle saying he's the king of the world. <laughs> when WCW hadn't won Nitro in like a year. God, you're just idiot. So you know, um, it's a bummer that it really is a bummer that Sullivan got removed out or got removed from his position there because obviously it was it was something I, in terms of ratings may not have been translating, but could it, back on it. Could it? Is there any way he could have changed it in three months? No, yeah. no. You needed to let it this, breathe. This is the problem with uh, people in charge of a wrestling promotion in some capacity that don't know the way wrestling works. Wrestling is not an overnight change kind of thing. No. Like look at the way WWF took over the, the, the ratings. That took a while. It, it, took it wasn't years. it wasn't just Steve Austin saying or um I'm not it wasn't just Steve Austin um 
coming back and beating Owen Hart and you know being like doing this thing with the rock where I throw the belt in the river it wasn't even him initially coming out with Mike Tyson that didn't it took nope. a while sure. after those moments and they show those clips of him stunning Vince in MSG and the crowd exploding they show these all the time the WWF was losing they were still, they were losing. still losing even though I remember that I remember watching that and I remember Austin throwing the belt mm-hmm. in, you know, and mm-hmm. how cool that was. And I was still watching both of them. Yep. I wasn't. I didn't quite change my mind yet. Right. It wasn't until Austin and the Crapper incident with Goldust where I was like, "Oh, he's my guy, and this is oh, my yeah. company." I <laughs> yeah. was like, "This, I'm gonna watch Austin, <coughs> who I, you know, when I first got into wrestling was a Hollywood blonde, mm-hmm. you know, and and I loved that team, and they were heels. Totally. Yeah. So I think I I think if they'd given him some time. It, it could have, you know, it maybe, and I, I have to go back and reread this, but I think in the interview, I think that his mindset was, we can just be a strong number two. Let's not try to beat him. I think that's really smart mm-hmm. because it helps. You know, it's not, something Vince says, he said, Bischoff was so hell bent on putting us out of business that he lost sight of how to run his own company. Right. You know, because it's a, you should always just try to run your company and have your company be the best that it can be. Which is great, and which is also kind of oxymoronic. I remember when I said that Vince always said that his business plan was to help your business and not hurt the other. And then, of course, I saw some footage of the XFL days when they just trashed the NFL every 30 seconds. Right. I'm like, well, something doesn't add up here. But right. I do remember that that was the way that they ran WWF. They hardly ever mentioned WCW. Never. I think they would say the boys down south or right. something like that. And it was rare. Rare. That it, would it was. Up. Yeah. Because I remember I, was, I used to get really frustrated about it as a kid because, <coughs> you know, WCW always talked about WWF. Mm-hmm. And I heard it. And yet WWF would never do it. And I'm like, come on, pull the trigger on these guys. Yeah, just do it. Just right. do it. I'm right. tired of this shit. It was up until the DX invasion That's before it. they acknowledged them. Yeah. Oh, so overall, just to kind of, I guess we can kind of put a bow on it, like a much better era or micro era of this WCW part that we're covering than people have ever given credit for it. Most of the time, it's just like, oh, Sullivan came in and it got worse. It's like, no, well, it hold, well maybe, maybe numbers-wise, things didn't translate very mm-hmm. well, but the quality, if you just you know sequentially go through it, not, not bad. Not you. bad, Sullivan. Because <laughs> the, the numbers were already on a decline, right. and then right. WWF was picking up steam. So, I mean... If some of the stuff they were doing on TV, if I could see that as opposed to yeah, isn't it weird? Amway salesman? WWF loses Austin in November. They're really worried that the numbers are going to go. And they've lost Russo. And they lost Russo. <laughs> yeah, the numbers went up. Yes, mm-hmm. when Austin was gone. Right. What the hell? Because they had to work harder with what they, they had. They did. I don't remember that being a particularly fun and time. I, Undertaker was gone too. Yep. You know, That's he right. didn't come back until Judgment Day. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, during the Iron Man match. So, you know, they, they didn't have Austin and Taker. It, it may be the case of what they were doing may not have been super awesome, but it was much better than what was over there. It was. So I'm going to go watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm not a big fan of WWF in that year without Austin, <coughs> but it is way better than way everything better than, that we've seen. Yeah. yeah. That's one other. Absolutely. I think that year without, I mean, to change subs a little bit, that year without Austin's when. Triple H's got to shine. Oh, yeah. When Tri- Edge and Christian... Because like, you didn't have a, a... I'm not a super big Austin fan. Redneck coming out stunning everybody just to get a ratings boost like every 30, 40 minutes. Triple H had the two matches with Mick Foley at Royal... Well, not so much the Hell in a Cell match, which was okay. But that match at Royal Rumble... Uh, 2000. Street, it's oh, one yeah. of the best... 
It might be my favorite Triple H match because that's the match that really brought out his mean streak. Sure, made him a made main him event an guy. Absolute yeah. asshole heel. Yeah, you know you hated him for winning that match. Pedigreed him on the thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that was a good show. And so, plus the great Takamishinoku elimination at the Rumble, where he just <laughs> they replay it every ten seconds. But yeah. This is not a bad era. No, 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 it's not. And it's it's just a bummer because now, well, in a way, it's it's really interesting because we're going to reach another pinnacle of the show because we had mentioned we were going to do Spring Stampede next, but it wouldn't be fair because we really need to do a special Nitro coming up. It's the April 11th. Was that the one? April 10th. That, April, 10th. April 10th Nitro, which is affectionately... Which I tuned in for which, that night. Which has been called uh, now the, the reboot. reboot. It's the reboot. The original reboot. So basically, WCW is like, all right, so... The Sullivan thing isn't working, but so what if we bring back Russo, the guy who made WWE the Attitude Era, and what if we bring Eric Bischoff in, bring him back, who helped make Nitro and WCW work in the first place? You think it would work? Well, and I was so excited. It's an interesting experiment, and we're gonna do a standalone episode before we do Spring Stampede. It's only right to kind of cover this because it's significant. It really Everything does, changes. It really does deserve its own episode. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, once again, the podcast is on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I'm at William Rankin83. I am at CM underscore stats. I am at the Jason Kinsley. And we will see you guys again at Monday Nitro, April 10th, 2000. The Reaper.